but you know, it's a lot of a lot of parts that were broken. That's my most proud. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to an interesting discussion sometimes. This is episode 10, which is a little milestone for us. We hit double digits. Um, we appreciate you guys letting us take a take a week to let other voices be louder than ours for a little bit with everything going on in the United States and kind of around the world right now. Um, we just kind of want to start off by saying that we support Black Lives Matter movement wholeheartedly. Um, we've donated, we've tried to take this past week to educate ourselves a lot on not just Black Lives Matter, but the other systemic kind of changes that need to happen for these kinds of things not to happen anymore. We encourage everybody to do the same. We're going to talk about it this week. And in the future, we're not planning on talking about it unless there are major developments. So we're kind of using this week as our platform to discuss everything and get our discussion out there. I guess I'll have Haran go next because he's going to introduce our, our guest this week. So yeah, joining us uh, in this week's podcast is my sister. Um, I'll let her say a few things about herself. Hi, um, like Haran said, I'm Sajini. I'm a graduate from Virginia Tech in May 2019. I've been working as a medical scribe this past year and will be applying to medical school this upcoming summer. I've attended a few protests here in Northern Virginia. My parents won't let me go to the ones in DC for safety reasons and there's a pandemic going on, but um, the protests I've been to, it's been a variety of like platforms or what their messages are trying to send. So some of them have been more speeches based and like just trying to educate us about racism in northern virginia as a whole which is very interesting and i think not really talked about because not many people think that it happens here um and then there's been some marches which is good because it spreads the message throughout the community but yeah about it yeah we decided to have sajani on because we felt as though we're not as involved like physically with things that are going on and we wanted somebody else who kind of has a different perspective than us in this whole movement so i guess who where 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 do we want to start with this whole talk when all this first happened a couple weeks ago the first step that i took to educate myself further was watch the animated video about systemic racism it kind of broke it down into layman's terms and it made me realize that even though on the surface we think that we're in the 2020s now and people are everyone's equal people are people are over all this like i don't know white supremacy in general or pe- people thinking that other people of color are inferior but just watching that video made me realize that this stuff that happened like 60 years ago or even before is still affecting stuff that happens today and i didn't understand how deep that went until i watched that video did you guys see that video too yeah i saw it do you want to give people like a brief summary of what it is yeah sure so um the the way the video explained it was 
there's like white neighborhoods and uh, black neighborhoods that aren't too far apart from each other. And the reason that there's significant disparity in the benefits that the white neighborhoods have is because in I think the 50s and 60s, they started redlining neighborhoods and marking neighborhoods of people of color as like less desirable for people to live in. So as a result, these black neighborhoods were denied basic privileges that other people had, such as taking out loans or being able to go to schools that are have more funding. Um, and that just cascaded a lot of different negative effects uh, later on. How about you two? What, um, what was like your first initial reaction to everything going on? I mean, my reaction was that this is a long time coming. And um, I think right before George Floyd, there was a couple other instances like um, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Um, and the fact that, you know, I think, I think a lot of people felt um, powerless because everyone's been at home uh, for like, you know, COVID reasons and all that stuff. And seeing these things still happen, despite like all the other things, like the bad things that are going on, just kind of put people over the edge. And so it was time for, you know, time to fight, I guess, um, again, which is kind of ridiculous to think about. Um, like I saw recently that um, Ruby Bridges, she's like 60 years old. She's the first girl that um, basically allowed for like the de desegregation of uh, schools, right? And I was, I was just surprised because I remember learning about that in elementary or middle school um, and thinking, you know, that was like so long ago, but it was only 60 years. But at the same time, 60 years, I feel like might have been a long enough time that these issues should have, you know, disappeared. But I guess not, um, especially with you know, social media and stuff. I think right now we're in a, we're in the best position to be able to fight this. Um, there's so many petitions going on. There's so many ways to donate. It's so easy now, like, you know, you see these people creating those websites where you click one button and it pre-populates an email and just sends it to those that are in charge in your area. Like the odds are, I wouldn't say the odds are in our favor, but they have, they're, they're now in our favor more than they've ever been before. I mean, that's the reason why we want to talk to this for, uh, talk about this on this podcast, right? Is because what we can do best is talk about it, have a discussion with, you know, friends or families, um, and, you know, really try to make a difference because um, I think we're the generation that this might um, start to have like a, a positive or go in a positive direction. Whereas I feel like before it's kind of been the same over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I think that's been the main problem with like this whole thing is that this has happened so many times over. Like even before Ahmad and Brianna, there's fucking Eric Gardner, there's Trayvon Martin. I mean, these are names that we've been hearing for years and years and years and nothing's changed. Like you see Trayvon Martin, his killer went to jail for like a little bit and then he got released, I think. Like these kinds of things really go against I mean, not it's not just African-Americans, but that's what we're focusing on right now. But it, it's minorities usually in this country in general. And I was pleasantly surprised that this kind of movement started because of the amount of times we've just seen this happen. And I'm so grateful to see all these people marching peacefully and not trying to damage each other and tear each other down to try and keep this movement going. I agree that we're in a better position now than we we have been in the past when it comes to trying to make a change, but I feel 
this might be one of the first times where a generation like ours has had our voice heard where we're trying to make a change from prior generations because this is so systemic and the people with power are much older and seem to be more dominant than we are but if there's so many of us that they can't stop us all and that we're eventually going to make a dent in this problem and turn it around i hope going off that though i do think uh, i'm pretty sure everyone has seen but basically the um man who killed uh george floyd first was charged with third degree and now he's moved on to second degree murder um which i think is the precedent right that's the first time that a cop's ever been charged with that, um, if I'm not mistaken. And so I do think, like, I don't think that would have happened unless it was, like, the constant outcry of millions and millions of people and constantly, like, bombarding that police department with, you know, this shit. Um, and I think even if this, like, 15, 20 years ago, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been nearly as, you know, quick, right, or nearly as effective. Um, but that's why that's why I'm just saying that I think we have more potential more potential now than we ever had. Yeah, I think we've had a blessing in disguise with COVID, where everybody's at home and nobody can go to work or like leave their communities really. So now people are joining together as much as they can, and because you can't, you don't have the excuse of not having the time or not being able to go within your community and fight for what you think is right. That I think it's, I don't think it's a good thing that we're in a pandemic, but it's helped us come together as much as we can in a time like this. Yeah, I agree. Because I think, unfortunately, in the past, when something like this would happen, we would just read it in the news and just continue with the rest of our day. But now that we're able to, or I mean, we're at home, we see it constantly now. And yeah, we have more time and we now think it's more important to keep voicing our opinions. So hopefully this won't stop and it's not just temporary. Last week I was on social media and I came across uh, one of the stories shared from my friends that said uh, that she was asking the South Asian um, like people to talk to their families, like especially their parents about what's been going on with the whole Black Lives Matters and the protests and see what their, their perspective is on the whole matter. So um, last, last week, me and my sister talked to our parents I talked to our parents about what's been going on and I think it was just hard for them to understand the struggles um, that African Americans have been through uh, since they arrived in the United States back in the 1600s they just they just looked at the rioting and looting as just violent acts and they didn't really understand the whole point behind it and trying to understand trying to like convince them but what's been going on and like how like they're reacting is very fair with how they've been treated over the past 300 years. They they just didn't really understand. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, they're, they're not very receptive. I, I, I wouldn't say receptive. I definitely think this like last week has opened up their mind a lot more about what's going on. I think that they definitely know or they know that Black people in America have been discriminated against since the country's inception but the thing is it's very easy to not realize another group's struggle um you know they're not not like they're being educated on history in america they come here and they work and then 
they see what's on the news, which is a lot of drugs and crime in these communities, which are propagated by the government, by planting drugs in these communities, having high police rates in the communities. So, I mean, I think that they're understanding it now, but, you know, when I bring up topics that seem radical to them, like defunding the police, you know, abolishing the police, they're like, that's crazy. But I, I mean, I truly try to push them on what they think and what they believe. And I think it works to an extent, but obviously the key to this is not having the communication, you know, once and forgetting about it. You could keep reminding them and keep pressing them. Like, uh, I think maybe yesterday or two days ago, I was talking to my dad about defunding the police and he's a big maths guy. He's always like, show me the data, show me the breakdown of what funding goes into what in police departments for arms, for like training, like everything. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't have that data, but so much research has shown that, you know, whatever they're doing, the money is not actually improved, like reforming policing in America. And then like we just discussed about it. Then later when I walked by, I saw him, saw him reading on his phone about like policing in America, like an article about it. So, you know, you may feel like the conversations you're having with your parents aren't actually helping, but you don't know what they're doing all the time. They could be reading up on it on their own and, you know, just pushing them to educate themselves, I think is very important. At first, when I heard about defunding or abolishing the police, I also was very confused because I was like, how are we going to function without a police? We're just going to turn into like an anarchy. Like, this is just crazy. Um but Sajni, do you mind explaining it like really quickly, uh, like the overview? Because after reading about it, I felt like that actually makes sense. Yeah, I'm not an expert by any means because like I, I wish in college I took more like, African-American history courses or I didn't take many history courses. I took more like ethics and psychology associated courses. Um, so I've always known about like medical disparities and in like minority communities. So I didn't really understand that we've already been trying to implement police reform in America. So like the whole eight can't wait, um, campaign zero, I think is funded the eight can't wait. And it's essentially eight police reform ideals that if all across America implements in their police departments, crime or police brutality would go down by 72%. So the number is sounds very promising, but I think it doesn't highlight how many police departments have actually implemented a lot of these policies. So when I was like looking into it, a lot of these departments have already kind of have like five out of eight of them, four out of eight of them, and the actual brutality rates don't seem to be lowering. And like, you can do your own research on it, but like some person on Twitter who has like some degree in stats was saying that the the statistic like significance of the data wasn't showing that police brutality would actually decrease by this amount. It was more like a projected estimate type thing. But um, so the whole idea behind defunding the police is essentially putting that money into communities that have been oppressed. So the black community in in America. So putting that the resources back into the community, either through the education, like social work, 
um, things like that that can help. So kind of can help like bring a community together instead of policing. Um, I think a good tweet I saw that really like I think summarizes it is like why should a police officer who gets like a thousand hours of training be able to equip like dealing with sexual assault or survivors, domestic domestic assault like cases, um, also have to use force and carry a weapon, also have to mediate like you know like individuals struggling with suicide, like dealing with such a variety of mental health issues, plus like so many other things, no person is capable of that. So like, why not create new roles in the community that can help like de-escalate situations instead of using police force, which many individuals in these minority communities, like black, indigenous, like Hispanic communities, like they don't like calling the police. They don't see the positive it can have, essentially. So that's kind of like the gist of put defunding is eventually like investing into the community, like divesting that money into something better that could actually change. Yeah, when I initially saw it too, I was like, "That's insane! Like, why would you just get rid of all safety that you could have?" But the initial thing I was afraid of was like, oh, what if somebody like breaks into my house? Like, who the fuck am I going to call? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But then you read into it and you learn more. It's going to turn everything into more of a community-based system, like you said. And it would I don't think it would necessarily turn into like a neighborhood watch kind of thing. But those types of systems would help prevent the crime from happening in the first place rather than trying to react to it happening. I also think it's very drastic. It's a very drastic change to present to a lot of people that have been used to it for much longer than we have. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's a better way of trying to change the other problems that we have as a society. Like when it comes to mental health and other things that go on within our communities, like it's another way to try and combat those types of things that lead people to commit crimes. On a side note, I think since the inception of Twitter, I think this is the best use it's had. Outside of community purposes, yeah. I mean, yeah, useful things. Whoa, <laughs> wait, what? No, like, like this is... Like practical Some things. people, a lot of people look at social media as like a waste of time, but this shows like the potential that it has. Oh, but don't you want to know like the draft picks like three rounds before it actually... Or Stephen A. Smith burner bracket? That's the best thing that happened on Twitter. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like we've said a million times already, the fact that social media is so prominent in this movement will hopefully keep it going for a, a long time. And it won't just be like a short time of post. Because, so one thing I came across last week was, especially when the Blackout Tuesday happened on Instagram, and um, people were just, it felt like people were just being performative. And they were just, they were just taking their interest in the whole situation. At one point, it's okay because I guess they're so they're still posting about it and they're still sharing the movement. And like at that, at that at that point, it's it's not a you can't really criticize them for that. But I just want to make sure everyone's hearts are in the right place here, and they're not just doing it for clout per se. And they actually truly believe in what's happening right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh I saw this TikTok actually today about um. This guy like exposed 
Charlie D'Amelio, whatever fuck her last name is. Um, Cause she like, she apparently she made this video in support of Black Lives Matter or whatever. And obviously every, it was an informative video. And so everybody was like hyping it up and everything. And obviously that's great. But apparently she broke up with her boyfriend or whatever. They I don't know. I don't really care. But they broke up. And apparently he said the N-word before and he's white. And they were recently hanging out together again, like, after she posted that video. And this dude was like, you don't understand that, like, this is the problem. Like, you can't try and just ignore some of these things that people do. Like, people make mistakes and everybody accepts that. But when you're, like, saying one thing and showing another... Like, it's really conflicting when it comes to what kind of message you're trying to put out. Recently, I saw the Hassan Minaj video where, you know, he's basically screaming at everyone to hold their friends and family accountable. Um, and I think that's I think that's so important. Um, but before we talk about that more, I want to ask a question. So, like, um, we were talking about Twitter before. Um, recently, I saw on, like, LinkedIn and, and Twitter that some people were resigning from Facebook. Um, did Zuckerberg say anything about all this? Is that why people were resigning? I, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe you guys know. From what I got, I it's because Facebook didn't censor stuff that Trump was saying, and <clears throat> yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I remember um, there was like a hearing with uh, AOC and Zuckerberg, and she was roasted in because. She was saying that you don't fact check um, what goes on the platform, and so people can falsely advertise. Um, and she was saying, like, using your platform, technically you can advertise um, incorrect election dates to, um, you know, primarily black communities, um, which is kind of crazy to think about how much power that platform has. But yeah, returning to the Hassan Minaj video, did you guys watch that? Yeah. Sure, that's okay. What did your parents say? They don't like Hassan. Hassan, yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, they feel like he's like a like very loud and screams at them. I think it's more of our like Gen Z, like oh, like it's just like hyperactive. But they believe he brought up good points. Um, I think that I think though the video is just more applicable to us as a whole. I think. Um, what I think resonated with my parents a lot more was the Trevor Noah video that he posted, I think, on his IG story. Um, if you guys haven't watched it, you guys should give it a listen. It's very insightful, a lot more calm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he really breaks down like more of like why the movement is what it is right now and the backstory and giving it much more like the gravity of the situation. But um, I think that once they listened to that, my parents were, like, actually quoting it on their Zoom calls with their <laughs> friends. Because Trevor Noah uh, breaks it down um, in the terms of, like, a social contract and how their social, co- like, African-American social contract had been violated. So, therefore, they don't owe anything to to the, to the American society. And that's kind of, like, the reason for the looting and everything. And I think that, I'm, I'm not saying as well as he did, of course, but. Um, that kind of reasoning kind of really resonated with my mom and she used that when she was talking to her friends, which again, that's, that's helpful. I think you got to spread the word that way. Yeah. That's the one thing that really pisses me off when it comes to people trying to fight against this movement is the argument against looting. Like 
oh, everybody should just peacefully protest. Like, you don't have to go and damage, you know, people's jobs or shit like that. But what people don't realize is that there's so many more. There's been peaceful protests for so long and we've gotten nothing out of it. Everybody tries to bring out the Martin Luther King thing. And Martin Luther King was a peaceful protester to an extent where, I mean, his followers were not as peaceful as he was, but he also wound up getting assassinated. And then there were riots after his assassination that led to the Civil Rights Act. So I'm not saying peaceful protests are not worthwhile. I think in in theory, they're the right thing to do. But the way that not just police, but I guess the government tries to combat them makes them not ineffective, but a lot harder to try and get change done or change made. And that's why people have to resort to rioting. I'm not saying that like you should just go get free shit because that's wrong i think that if you're going to riot and loot you should do it for the cause not for yourself but i think people don't understand the reason the riots and the looting are happening which i have not watched trevor noah's video i'll probably do that after we're done here but i feel like that's something that he probably brought up um on the note of riot and looting rioting and looting um it's it's also how I think a lot of people need to remember and realize that, you know, media likes to sensationalize news and things like um, anger and violence always, you know, can make the headlines. So what you see on the news and what you see on CNN, Fox News, NBC, I don't even know, any of them, they, they want to be like, oh, like, it's violent, it's scary. But for the most part, they are peaceful and like, I've had so many of my friends be in D.C. and they're like, nothing is really happening. You know, we're talking about a small percentage of the people protesting who take part in those violent actions. And so I like feel like people just need to keep that in mind as well. And that, yeah, you're right. It doesn't take away from the movement at all. And if people think that it's because they've been privileged their entire life to feel that way. Yeah, I agree. And then to go back to what uh, Christian was saying, I forget who said the quote now, as soon as it came to my head. But basically, uh, it's like, you know, you can't do the same experiment over and over again and expect different results. And so, Einstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just completely applicable here to the peaceful protest versus rioting, you know? Eventually, there's just like a barrier that you have to break in order to get heard, um, your voices heard. So, I mean, I think that's also what's going on. I saw something else on Twitter that was speaking to how we learn history in school and that most of the stuff, especially during the civil rights um, era in the 50s and 60s, so much of that is toned down when we learn it. Like we just learned that they just did the March on Washington and just all these peaceful things and then changes immediately happened. But we don't learn about all the other things that went into it, which is why maybe some people think that only peaceful protest is the way to go. But they don't know the whole truth. We should change how that's taught. Yeah, two things that I want to say. One to what Harsha was talking about is that I feel like we're we get a very whitewashed version of the civil rights era. Um, like we we talk a lot about Martin Luther King and his peaceful protesting and how he made change, but it may have been where I grew up. But when I was taught Malcolm X and the black panther organization like they were taught in like a negative light because they were more (laughs) violent um 
when in fact I think they're not equal, but they definitely both made a large amount of change when it came to the civil rights era. Um, so I think that's one thing that could definitely be changed. And then going back to the writing just for a second, it's also the people who are looting, like for the sake of looting, are not just, they're not protesters. They're just people trying to take advantage of the situation for the most part. They're not trying to do it for the cause. They're just doing it to get free stuff. And that is an issue because that is the ammo that people use to, that's the evidence that people use against the riots and the looting and the protests is that they're like, oh, look at these people damaging property and stuff like that. When in reality, if there are protesters who are looting, they're looting corporations, they're not looting mom and pop shops, and they're especially not looting black owned businesses because they know in their neighborhoods, you know, who owns what. They're not doing it in a carefree manner, they're doing it very like systemically and planned out. It's yeah, I agree. It's like really sad to see because all these small businesses are already going through such a tough time with uh, Corona and, you know, Corona was just starting to, you know, dissipate. Things were starting to reopen. And so people felt like, you know, okay, we can build this back up. And to then to have their store broken into and all their stuff stolen, it's just, that's so sad, man. Like a lot of these businesses are out for the count now and can't do really much about it unless... They had some sort of savings or insurance or something that can bail them out, I guess. But even then, it's it's tough. Something that I don't remember who, I think it was Harsha brought up. It might have been true, I don't remember. But we were talking about leaders for this kind of movement. Um, and like I was just talking about MLK and Malcolm X and those people that we pointed to in the civil rights era. But have you guys really seen anybody try and make themselves known as a leader in this kind of movement or is it just kind of a i don't know more of a general population based thing i feel like it's more of a general population based thing i think because i think now more than like back in the 60s it's easy for everyone to have a voice um especially with social media so you don't need to have a good you don't have to have one person doing all the speeches like and moving around also shouldn't be moving around too much right now because of the pandemic but yeah i think it's more of a population thing i think that's more important i, mean, I don't think yeah i think it's more important that like, collectively we all have voices and we all are united um for one goal and i don't think there needs to just be one like leader of the whole movement uh one person that i've seen be a real leader when it comes to this movement is stephen jackson if you don't know who stephen jackson is and the name sounds familiar he played in the nba for 13 years he was on the We Believe Warriors. He won a ring with the Spurs. Um, he's been on ESPN, Fox Sports, you know, a bunch of sports shows talking basketball. Um, he has a podcast with another NBA player called All the Smoke. Um, but what I didn't know about Stack, which is his nickname, is that he grew up in Houston and he was best friends with George Floyd. And so I follow Steven Jackson because I like his personality. I like who he is and his, his morals re reflect mine, I think, a lot. And I saw this video he posted hours after George Floyd's death was announced. He started showing pictures of when they were, they couldn't have been like more than eight years old. I mean, these dudes were best friends for so long. Um, and now Steven Jackson's taking care of George Floyd's daughter, Gianna, 
Um, but he's been, when I tell you he's been across the country, he's been, I've seen him in Atlanta, Houston, Minneapolis. Um, he's been everywhere. And he's not promoting violence against the police or anything like that. He's using his platform and his voice to try and make these systemic changes that the ones that we're kind of talking about and trying to get justice, not just for George, but for Brianna, for Ahmad, for everybody who's had to go through something like this. And so he's not going to be an MLK or something like that. But as somebody who was close to George Floyd and somebody who's, you know, they grew up in the hood. They understand the kinds of systemic struggles that African-Americans go through in America. So I think a voice like his is really important right now when it comes to trying to lead a whole nation pretty much in the ways of change. I also think it's been a collective effort as well. Uh, with regards to the NFL, the a lot of this NFL stars released videos uh, um, voicing their like support in, for Black Lives Matter. And this actually led to the commissioner apologizing, basically saying that he made wrong decisions in the past. Um, as many of you know, uh, Kaepernick doesn't have a job because of he was because he knelt during the national anthem, which is just unfair for him. But I think having that collective voice and getting the majority of the people to support this movement will hopefully lead to more change. And I'm sure when football comes back, if it does, that we'll see a lot of people doing what Kaepernick did four years ago. Yeah, I agree. But I also think it's important to know kind of what we were talking about earlier with people is that a lot of organizations are trying to stand with the movement just for the sake of it. I saw I've seen a lot of people on Instagram talk about companies that have posted about supporting Black Lives Matter, but they still use like slave labor and those kinds of things. And so, I mean, we, we talked about it before, like you're saying one thing and then doing another. You're just trying to get good PR so that people aren't looking down on you. Um, and so while I think it's, I watched the video that the NFL put out, I think it's a really good video, but Cap still doesn't have a job. He's blackballed from the league. Um, I don't know how likely it is he, that he's going to actually have a chance. Um, when you saw the practice stunt that they pulled, I think it was last year, um, they gave him an opportunity, had all the teams there. Nobody signed him. They did it just for show. They're just doing it for the sake of, oh, we did it. Yeah, like he had a chance. Oh, well, move on. Like They're just trying to do these things, big corporations, just to get good PR and not be offensive to their community and their fan base because I feel as though the majority of NFL fans are white people and a lot of them are conservatives as well and they're not going to try and support an organization that is trying to let all these black people run their league. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think that hopefully the NFL is moving in the right direction. I think today they announced that they're going to be donating $250 million over the next 10 years for uh, organizations that support this movement. So it's a step in the right direction, I hope, and hopefully it leads to more change in the future. Yeah, for me, I think there's just a lot of closet racists and like the organizations, like all the, like all the big organizations, especially in the NFL, like I'm sure like a lot of the um, 
high level officials like in the teams or all other races, but they just they're just they're just quiet about it. Seems like no one knows about it. But mm. I feel like until major change structural structural changes happen to like certain teams, I feel like until then we won't have major progress in the league. Yeah, it's not just the NFL. I feel like it's applicable to a lot of things because if you look at the ratio of GMs and other people of power in not just NFL but American sports, I mean, I think these leagues are something like forty to sixty percent African American, and there's you can probably count on one hand the amount of executives that are in the NFL that are African American. Um, so sports two. are mimicking. Yeah, exactly. There's two. Like you can't try and promote equality when it comes to I don't know everybody being equal when you're not reflecting it in your business. I was going to add to that. Um, I don't watch. I don't really follow the NFL very much, but. Um, I do watch English Premier League, and I don't know if you saw Harin Raheem Sterling called out like what the head guys for the Premier League saying like how few like people like black people or just like even like Hispanic people I don't think have positions as coaches or like even like managing positions. Um, it was pretty powerful what he was trying to say, and like I think that I think. Like, that's why I keep, like, I keep reiterating it, but this is a movement, not a moment. And I think that a lot of companies and, like, corporations, businesses, sports leagues are facing, you know, like, they have to dismantle the system. And it's going to take, like, it's not going to happen overnight, and it's going to take a lot of effort and work. Um, Some, not soccer-related, but um, I follow, like, a YouTube channel, Bon Appetit. Like, they've been under a lot of stress lately um, for issues that I think a lot of companies face. And I think that the people on that show that work there are lucky because they have a huge platform of followers that will back them up and they have the right. And they feel that they're safe to speak up about what the discrimination they've been facing because they know that they're like they have a fan base to support them and i think that a lot of this type of racism occurs in so many of these big companies like condé nast in general like magazine companies but they don't feel like they have people they can reach out to and actually support them through it which is a problem but i mean similar to the me too movement i feel that like more people are just feeling that they have the ability to speak out about what's going on and I think slowly, like, change will happen, but, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of hearts will be broken, as mine was about BA and their really terrible policies against their, like, Black people and people of color. Yeah, I was going to mention that, too. It just came to my mind that, like, when the Me Too movement happened, it was crazy at how many actors and executives and producers are all outed as being, um as like either sexual assault or pedophilia or anything along those lines and it was, it was pretty rapid to be fair and i hope something like that will happen soon with this movement and we'll finally see changes in all these organizations where they're preventing african-americans from um higher positions and stuff, stuff like that i think we're gonna pause for one second and uh listen to our ad this week all right guys welcome back to uh our discussion on the black lives matter movement turn i think you wanted to bring up qualified immunity do you want to explain that 
like a little overview? So basically, um, <clears throat> I heard about this through uh, Hassan Minaj's, one of his um, Patriot Act episodes um, a while ago, but he brought it up again in his recent video um, because it's obviously um, relevant. But um, basically, qualified immunity for police officers, and um, I'm, I'm going to be reading this off of Google so that you have a correct definition because I think uh, if I try to explain it, it won't come out right. But basically, um, qualified immunity, immunity is designed to protect all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. Law enforcement officers are entitled to qualified immunity when their actions do not violate a clearly established constitu constitutional right. Um, so basically, um, <clears throat> basically it's like this BS protection that they have, um, where obviously, um, the guy who killed George Floyd, um, they're saying that his murder, you know, was, wasn't deliberate. And so, um, he's basically protected, but obviously it's, I mean, like you can't prove that it was deliberate, but that's why he's being protected at. But that's basically what this this rule is, and and so I think it's slowly going to be um, you know removed. I think there's some petitions on making a bill that uh, gets rid of it, and also like we mentioned earlier, um, that officer being charged with second degree murder is is kind of setting a precedent uh, for this type of stuff. So I think there is some positive change here. Um, just hoping that it goes farther than that, further than it already is. I think I've seen petitions for that going around. Is there anything else that we can do to help end that? Or is it something just, just up to the lawmakers to do? Yeah. And I mean, I think emailing your local lawmakers, your police department or people in power, honestly, doing a, like a quick Google search of who you can contact about this is probably the best way to do it. And just, you know, signing petitions like anything else that's going on right now, signing petitions, donating. Um, following people that are like, you know, leading the movement. Um, obviously, there's change in numbers. And so that's that's the strategy that we should play, you know, at least in my opinion. Speaking of decision making and change that you can make individually, um, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that we have elections coming up soon, especially primaries. And some states have already had their primaries. Other states are having their primaries throughout the summer. I think, I don't live in Virginia, but I think it's the 24th. Officials tell me it's the 23rd of June. Damn it. You get my point. Like, there's so many states that have their primaries during the summer that that is when your voice is best heard. Um, and so that's when you can individually make a change without having to have a group of people all sign a petition or something. And it's very, very important, not only just to vote, but to do your research on who you're voting for and what they stand for. Um, even though personally, I feel like a lot of politicians will say one thing to get into office and then start doing another, but that's more of a personal thing than an indictment on all politicians. But I think doing your own research and not trying to be persuaded as much as you can by either media or your parents or stuff like that, um, I think is the best way to go about getting ready to vote to speak more on that i think that many people for a while like local elections have been very much neglected and i think this movement has brought to light how 
systemic racism is also in our communities and in the people who lead our communities. And I know I, I have many friends who've like neglected voting in these elections because they don't feel like it's important. But I think that through the protests and hopefully like through educating themselves, they realize how important it is to have individuals in these uh, like positions like school board or superintendent. Um, I don't really know. I can't really name the other local positions off my head, but having people with these views very like firmly, you know, will push change in the right direction. Um, so I think like one of the protests I went to that was in Falls Church, we had like a council man, councilman from Alexandria there. And he spoke about it too. He was like, these local elections are even more important than I would say than the presidential election because your voice really does matter and you have the power to put someone who you believe will have your values at heart to you know enact them in the community so as christian said like do your research and like be informed when you make this decision but know that i i've said it so many times hard knows i've said it so many times like you don't vote for yourself, you vote for others that voices aren't being heard. Just because you're privileged enough that you feel that voting doesn't affect you doesn't mean that it doesn't affect someone else. So we vote for those who can't like have their voices heard. And everyone should have the time to vote, huh? Definitely, no excuses. No, very true. I will not be repeating my mistake from 2016. <laughs> There's been more elections since 2016. And 2018. <laughs> <laughs> and congressional elections in 2018. That being said, I don't know about the candidates running for our pre- like the president. Yeah, I don't know if you watched John Oliver's video, but it was like Joe Biden was talking about police, like not police brutality, I don't think, but something to do with policing. He's like, you have to train people to shoot them in the leg rather than in the heart. Yeah. And John Oliver was like, that's convenient because joe biden is the shoot them in the leg not in the heart candidate right now oh important following more like people like influencers that are like black and giving their you know letting their voices be heard you know reading watching documentaries don't necessarily take all your news and information from twitter like actually reading like what black voices have to say um that's really important too I think it's very easy to get looped into the, oh, I like read through so many social media's posts and stories about what they're saying, but like do your own research and read like what their voices and what their stories and what they have experienced in their lifetime. I think it's much more impactful and meaningful. Um, I know like so many lists have been circulating, but I, I'm reading right now, like Between You and Me by Tanasha Coates. I hope it's I think it's important because those people, like their voices have been suppressed for so long. So, you know, following them is just, you know, getting their platforms amplified, which is very important. Yeah, I agree with that. Something that I saw go around a lot. And then the one, one of the few black kids I went to high school with reposted it. And he was like, and he actually had a sign at the rally uh, or the, the protest in the town I went to high school in. He had a sign that said, when is America going to love black people as much as they love black culture? Because a lot of black culture has been stolen, just like most things um, in America. And we fetishize it a lot. Um, 
and we think it's like so cool but when it comes to really trying to help out the black community a lot of us for the most part have not been against it but we've been silent um and that's one thing that i think i've realized i realized really early on is that it's another phrase that's been repeated a lot but it's not enough to not be racist you have to counter it um and actively be against it and so that's something that i've really taken to heart a lot when it comes to this movement and i think that's one of the more important takeaways that non people of color should implement into their not just their lives but their thinking and the way that they make decisions that you know to have empathy and be able to think for people outside of yourself is what's really important yeah um i think the saying is it's not enough to be racist you have to be anti-racist but um but also your point also extends to especially brown people especially when i went to high school and you could you definitely see it in like freshman um indian kids that they kind of just they act like a black person like and they they think that's like the cool way of living in i mean the, the way black culture is cool and it should be like admired and but anyways like we i think we like people just they would act they would act like black people but when it came to actual issues that black people face they would shy away from it or not talk about it or just disregard it essentially and um we have to like hold ourselves accountable of that too and be better in the future and that's like one thing that kind of annoyed me on social media it's like need especially on twitter like people need to allow for like allow for other people to change like you can't just take one bad instance and say like oh this person's racist and not be like okay like give them time to like learn like new like learn a new perspective and like change for the better and i i don't know i just i just i just didn't like to see like so much negativity on like during this movement and um i just want to see more people just trying to help others uh change their their ideals and work to become better and help out the whole entire movement yeah i agree with that to an extent like when it came to the drew Brees thing maria taylor put it really well i think it was her um Mm -hmm. she was like when you reveal yourself in a time like this i'm gonna take what you say first before your apology more serious than i take your apology because especially right now there's so much information and education going on that if you still say something that harms the movement that you could be you either could just be ignorant or you could be naive and uneducated and i think that is also another huge issue so if you want to um listen to other podcasts that are addressing um what's been going on uh a couple of them that I've listened to are the uh, Code Switch by the NPR and the Daily by the New York Times. Uh, they've both been pretty good podcasts that have um, um, showed some interesting perspectives on what's been happening. Yeah, we hope that this talk that we had helps people kind of understand things from a different point of view, if you haven't already. Um we have a link in our Instagram bio of a list of resources that we have that we found and that we found helpful. Um, and we're more than willing to add to them. If you want us to just let us know. Um, 
we've talked about before. We've already made donations. We encourage people to make donations to the cause um, with different organizations. Uh, there is a, a link in that resources document that has a list of many different organizations that are credible that you can donate to. We've talked about before, we're going to be donating all of our ad revenue to the end of August to Black Lives Matter. And if you are protesting, please be safe. Um, we still are in a pandemic and health is very much an issue as well. Um, if you can't protest, then donate. If you can't donate, then educate when it comes to your family, your friends, random people that you see being racist online, calling them out. Um, I think that's something that we like to have fun and you can hide behind the anonymity on the internet, but that doesn't mean that people can't track you down and figure out who you are. So we hope this conversation was helpful. Um, we want to thank Sajani for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug? Just really take the time to critically look at yourself, reflect on your actions. Um, you know, actively being anti-racist is not going to happen overnight. And it's actually a very painful and like very hard process to grow through but like to go through but you need to really just sit and think about and reflect on your actions um i'm sure that you know you're not no one is perfect but i think that this movement is inspiring people to actually make change happen so just really try to fight for the cause and uh, on that note, um, I think we're going to close off the podcast for today. Um, we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, like Christian was saying, if, if there's anything, any other links that you'd like us to add to the doc, please feel free to DM us. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.